This is B2B Enablement, a Click.io podcast created to inspire sales and marketing leaders navigating digital transformation. I'm your host, Dave Carr, and on this show, we'll share actionable insights to build winning digital strategies and deliver better sales results with your customers. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of B2B Enablement. Today, we're going to take a very different approach than we have with previous episodes. What I'm going to do is actually include an excerpt from a webinar that we recently hosted on how to get started with sales enablement. And I was really fortunate to be the moderator of a really good discussion between Paul Tkach, who is the Director of Business Development at Click.io, and Rebecca Sperry, who is the Director of Customer Success at Click, and really dug deep into what it takes to get started with sales enablement. And in this webinar, we shared a lot of really interesting ideas about how to get started with building your team, how to set up metrics and KPIs to track, how to handle your content management, and then ultimately how to build the team and the strategy that ultimately would launch a successful sales enablement strategy within your company. So I hope that you enjoy this new format. I'm going to include and cut directly to the beginning of the webinar uh, as soon as I wrap up. And if you want to hear the webinar in its entirety or watch to see the slides, I am going to put a link in the show notes uh, to an on-demand version uh, video of that webinar, as well as links to all of the resources that we mentioned in the webinar. There's some great stuff in there, including a sales enablement checklist, a sales enablement blueprint, and many other resources to help you get started with your sales enablement journey. So with that, I'm going to cut right to the start of the webinar, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks so much, Dave. I appreciate that. And uh, for everyone who's just joining and Everyone who doesn't know me, my name is Paul. I'm the Director of Business Development here at Click. Um, so over the past couple of years, I've had the opportunity of working very closely with a lot of new customers on their, their sales enablement projects and journeys. Uh, and, I, and over the next uh, remainder of the webinar here, Rebecca and I are going to talk about the top five things that you should do when getting started with sales enablement. Um, and so we'll break these down and, and go into these in detail. Just pulling up this list here and, and talking about the agenda. First, we're going to talk about getting started with your team. So who owns your team and, and how do you build that team? How do we set ourselves up to, for success with a sales enablement project by having the right people on the right team in the right positions? Next, we're going to talk about setting clear requirements and goals. So when you set out for your project, there's obviously something in mind you're trying to achieve, a challenge you're trying to overcome. Um, so we're going to talk about how you really set those goals up and those requirements to, to achieve them. Uh, Third, we're going to talk about defining your key metrics. So when you do set these goals and requirements in place for your journey, you're going to want to measure them and make sure that they're attainable and you're staying on track and working towards them. Uh, So we'll help you identify what uh, metrics you should set and some good KPIs while you do work through your project. Uh, For four and five, Rebecca is going to go over content creation and organization uh, and then talk a little bit about how to actually implement your sales enablement solution and tool. Um, So we're going to try and pull in some um, real life use cases from companies that we've worked with and just share some insight from uh, the teams that we've worked with. Uh, As we'd mentioned before, if you do have any questions, uh, you can either just click the raise hand button and we will get around to you. Or if you want to type it into the chat, we will um, get to your question as well. Uh, So first and foremost, starting with building your team. Uh, I think that building your team is one of the most overlooked uh, aspects of getting started with a project. Uh, when it comes to sales enablement solutions or even tools in general, when it comes to implementing them into your tool stack, a lot of teams think that it's just plug and play and something that you can toss in and, and hope that it works uh, immediately. Uh, but when it comes down to a sales enablement project a project and really um, accomplishing some of the, the, the goals that you have set out, it's imperative that you get the right people in the right place uh, to help push that project forward. Um, and so When we're talking about building your team, the first thing that you need to do is appoint the right uh, champion internally. So you're going to want someone who has an understanding of both sides of your business and has an understanding of um, how your business works and operates. Uh, And what I mean by understands how your business operates is someone who has cross-functional expertise, somebody who has the ability to understand what's happening on that sales side and what's also happening on that marketing side. 
Um, it's important because when we put together a sales enablement project, there are multiple stakeholders involved. Um, you typically have receivers and supporters. So who's actually supporting the solution and the tool? You have people who put content into it and organize it. Uh, but then you have people who receive a lot of the benefit and the value from it uh, immediately, like the sales team who goes out and uses it. Um, so when we are choosing someone, we want to make sure that there is someone on your team who, who does have insight into both sides of the business so they can understand the needs from sales and they can understand the needs from marketing as well. Um, one of the other things too is, is we always typically find the person who is leading the project doesn't have a specific role um, and, and is entirely focused on this project. I mean, we were just chatting a couple of minutes ago, uh, Rebecca brought up a really good point. Um, the question we were, we were discussing was whether or not you need to hire someone specifically to lead your sales enablement team. And the, the, the straight answer was you don't. You can have somebody who works at your company and then takes on the project as a separate side role. Uh, and we've seen this work very, very effectively. Um, so you don't need to hire somebody separate. You just need someone with the knowledge of the business um, and, and can work together with another team. Um, so when I talk about receivers and supporters as well, um, this is something that you need to take into consideration once you're getting your team started. So um, you want to make sure that you take all aspects into consideration when you're putting your project together. So you, as I mentioned before, you'll have your receivers and your supporters. So the receivers are going to be people who need to use that uh, pro uh, product on a daily basis. So maybe sales reps who come in to access content for meetings or content to share with prospects. You need to take that into consideration, right? You need someone who has visibility into what they do so they can understand the content they need, how it needs to be organized, uh, maybe best recommendations for those people. Uh, but then you also need someone to, to, to have visibility into the marketing side too, to get a better understanding of how everything's functioning there and making sure that that content is staying organized and produced um, properly. So when we're def defining um, uh, respective roles, you're, you're going to want to make sure that you really understand the, the project that you've set out um, to, to create and, and initiate. So when you are setting up your team, make sure that you do have people who are responsible for, for various aspect, aspects of the project. For example, when we work um, with uh, a, couple of, uh, a couple of my customers right now, what we typically see is somebody who champions the product project. So somebody who leads it and facilitates most of um, the, the, the project. But then you also have uh, supporters, as I had mentioned. So maybe somebody on the marketing side who is doing your content revisions, who is ensuring that the content in your solution or your, your platform is up to date and working properly. Um, so really, we don't see massive committees coming together to get sales enablement projects moving, uh, but it is much more than just a simple plug and play system, right? If you get a sales enablement project set up, you need to make sure that it is being maintained going forward and it does have um, uh, proper maintenance for everything involves content and process. So moving forward, um, I think that uh, we'll just kind of take a 60 second here. If anybody's got some questions, um, we can go ahead and, and answer those. Yeah, you know, Paul, the, your question or your comment rather about, you know, do you need to hire someone in a specific sales enablement role? Uh, you know, we, we hear that a lot and I, I think you're spot on. You don't have to put someone in a dedicated role, especially as you're getting started. Um, but I guess one, you know, quick question I have uh, for Rebecca, because I know that you're, you're working with our customers constantly from a customer success standpoint. How have you seen, you know, some of our most successful clients? go through that process and are they using someone dedicated or is are they using a combination of people in, in other roles to help lead? Yeah, for sure. Quite often it is going to be somebody that has the time and the tools to really guide the project. Um, from our biggest customers, they don't have one dedicated uh, individual where their whole job all 40 hours of the week is uh, focused solely on sales enablement. They often do wear multiple hats and sales enablement will be one third of that hat. And we find this is very really successful because then they have the means and they have the information from the other sides of the business and the other resources to really help them succeed as a sales enablement manager for them. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. And I guess one thing I would just add on to that, you know, having I've spent a lot of time in my career in sales and also in marketing. I think that when you're building that team, you know, thinking intentionally about getting individuals that can bridge the gap so that, you know, have respect and rapport with marketing and with sales or, or vice versa uh, is really important because, you know, the whole goal of, of the sales enablement solution is to help drive that better connectivity. So I think that, you know, one very common piece of advice that we give out is, you know, make sure those individuals have good cross-functional relationships. 
Yeah. And I think if we look at the projects that have been extremely successful, we see there's been input from various teams, right? It's not just two people at the top organizing the project and dictating it for everybody. We've seen, I mean, some really good uh, examples of, of um, sales reps having very, very valuable input on the content that they want to use, how they go out and sell on a daily basis. And, and that helps with aligning the project and the tool, right? So really, when it comes down to that cross-functionality, making sure you do have um, input from various teams and, and aspects. Yeah, yeah A good manager will always rely on the other members of their team to help them get what they need to be done. Yeah. Agreed. Great. Okay, great. So the next point we wanted to talk about here was just setting clear goals and requirements. So I think that putting the team together is, is one of the most overlooked aspects of getting started as everyone thinks it's plug and play. Once you've kind of got that out of the way, what we really talk about next is setting your, your clear goals and requirements. And so this comes down to really assessing your current state and getting an understanding of where you're at right now. Um, and in a way this can hurt because you do have to be very honest with yourself and, and make sure that you are looking at your company's tribulations and, and where you're at right now, right? The more honest you are with yourself and where we're at on, on certain metrics, or maybe we're not doing this enough, or, or we're not sharing enough content, or we're not closing enough deals, the more honest you are with it, uh, with that state and, and being open with yourself, the better goals you'll be able to set that are actually attainable and achievable. Um, so we recommend doing that is, is just take a look at yourself um, and, and your company and, and start there, right? Start with what data you have, what metrics you've collected. Um, and then from there, we really recommend establishing simple but clear goals. So clear objectives that you're trying to achieve. And these typically pair with a challenge, right? So when you have looked at um, your where you're currently sitting and, and maybe you've identified some certain uh, challenges, it's pretty easy to pair um your goals with those challenges. So we always see a one-to-one, -one, right? So you identify a challenge, then find out what goal might pair with that. So for example, if our team is maybe not sharing enough content or using enough content, um, we can see that the current metric we have is, is showing we aren't sending enough emails with content. It's really easy to set a goal, a one-to-one -one goal to check every month. Are we actually using content in our deals and our opportunities? Are we actually engaging our prospect with content? Um, and so th that's what we recommend is establish simple but clear goals. You don't have to come up with a list of 10 goals that you want to achieve, but this typically comes down to uh, two or three reasonable goals that, that you should set up. Uh, we talked about this in the last one, but making sure that you collect your input from, from stakeholders, right? So it's not just going to be the leadership team who wants to um, set these goals, but it's also going to be the sales team, right? What are, are the sales team actually having challenges with? Uh, you'll need insight into that as well. So you can help establish these goals and uncover what needs to be fixed and what needs to be improved. Um, so yeah, we recommend by starting two or three reasonable goals. And, and like I said, that really pairs from uh, the challenges that you, you uncover your team facing. Um, what we recommend as well is creating a blueprint. So we actually have a, a blueprint as a piece of click content that we're happy to share out afterwards. But what we do is, is with every team that, that comes and works with click, we set up a blueprint to help get a better understanding of uh, what it is they're trying to achieve. So we pull this up and it's basically a small little matrix that helps us define the goals they have, some of the KPIs involved in measuring those goals. And it's really just a one page um, uh, of getting set up and ready to, to define what we want to achieve. Um, and if anyone's interested afterwards, we're, we're happy to share that out as well. If you just leave a, maybe a comment, if you put a one in the chat or something, we can definitely uh, share that blueprint out with you as well. Um, and the reason why we do this is it's really easy to get caught up in some of the small details with the project. Um, and having the blueprint in place really allows you to go back to the main goals that you've set up um, and keep keep focusing on those goals. Um, like we said, it, it's pretty easy to, to lose sight of the bigger picture and focus on maybe smaller achievable goals. Um, but really, what we want to do is focus on, on the main challenges that we've set out to achieve. Um, so setting your goals will also help your keep, keep your team motivated and uh, engaged. And so this is something we've seen in the past before. Uh, if you don't have uh, a clear finish line of where you want to, to go and where you want to end up, uh, a lot of your team is, is, is not going to be interested in uh, moving forward with the project either. So really, if you set goals and you get everyone involved and you have input from your sales team, your marketing team, maybe your operations and analytics team, everybody's a little bit more invested and it really, really helps move that project forward uh, in a better way. Uh, last but not least, we recommend setting up uh, and establishing a user requirements guide. Uh, this is also something that we're happy to, to share out as well. Um, uh, so we can we can get this out to you as well. What it is, is basically uh, 
I mean, I couldn't explain it more than user requirements guide, but it's a way for you to define uh, what it is that your users need. So really taking a look at um, different systems, uh, the features involved with those systems. Do we need our platform in multiple languages? Do we need different types of search capabilities? Do we need features X, Y, and Z? So establishing a user requirements guide really gives you an idea of, hey, this is everything that we need uh, for our project. We now need to go find a solution that matches this perfectly. Um, and so, like I said, we're happy to share that out as well. Uh, if you just write in the chat, user requirements guide, we'll take your name down and happy to share that out afterwards as well. Take a quick break here if we do have any other questions around uh, aligning some of your goals and objectives. Um, Dave and Becca, I'm not sure if you guys had any input as well there, if there's anything you wanted to chime in with. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of couple things came in here on chat and also Q&A. So um, a couple of folks have asked for the blueprint. So yes, we will. What we'll do, we're going to send out a summary email to everybody that's joined and it's going to will include a link to the blueprint. We'll include a link to the user requirement guide as well as an on-demand link to this webinar. So we will we will load you up with good information. If there's anything else that you guys would like to dive in further, you can just simply reply to that email or use the contact us uh, form on our website. We'd be happy to get in touch with you and talk about that one-on-one. -on -one. So that's first. Secondly, we had a, a question come in in Q&A, Paul, right as you were talking about, you know, how you get started. And the question was around like, is there a process or a guidebook that you use to do that? I think you already spoke a little bit to that in, in terms of the blueprint. But maybe either you or Becca go maybe a little deeper around how you've seen not only just saying, hey, I've got a guidebook or a roadmap, but how you really begin to take that and start putting me on the bones. And if you've got any best practices from other other clients. Yeah, I can start. And then Becca, if you want to chime in, you can help there too. Um, I think when it comes to starting a project, everybody has something in mind. I mean, you wouldn't be setting out on a sales enablement journey or looking to uh take on a platform if you didn't have something in your mind lingering that you wanted to fix. So I think that there's always something there that you can improve and, and fix upon. Um, and, and that's where we typically see teams start. I mean, when we get into a conversation or we start engaging with uh, one of our partners, there's typically a challenge that arises that they need to solve. And we work backwards from there. So really it's establishing the main challenges. What is that roadblock or that barrier that's really preventing your team from getting up to the next level, right? Um, and I don't think we mentioned any goals or requirements here, but I mean, if we talk about typical goals and requirements that we see, better sales and marketing alignment is a big one. Um, determining sales training needs, right? Setting up a good training process is something we hear as well. Uh, more insight into customer engagement around content. So these are typical goals and, and requirements we hear, or we'll hear the opposite, like a challenge. Like we're not getting enough opportunities into the pipeline. And then from there, we'll work back and say, okay, well, how are you engaging your prospects? How are you finding your content? Is your team sharing content? And 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 then that, that's kind of how we, we we take a step back. Becca, I'm not sure if you had any other input there from, from what you've seen. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I have a really actually excellent uh, real life example of this. One of our customers came to us and their biggest problem, as Dave mentioned, was one of the early statistics about not being able to find content um, and then not using it. So what we were able to do was we focused and aligned the goal of being able to improve that searching. So what we did is we were taking records of all the search results of what the end users, the sales individuals were entering into the application. And then we were able to work backwards for all the results that came back with zero. Um, we started tagging content to those search terms so that we knew what they were looking for. We could see, hey, nothing's coming back. There should definitely be four or five files available to them to match that search term and therefore just aligning that process. And that was just a clear and cut goal that was really achievable. Yeah. yeah, that's a great example, Becca. Great example and a great way to show how using data, again, to help drive that direction and help guide, you know, your, your activities. All right, great. Well, Paul, that's all we had uh, for Perfect. the chat. Well, I think that's a good segue into the next part about data um, and collecting data right. and why, why it's so important that you collect yeah. your data and, and, and metrics. So, um, yeah, jumping into the next section here, we want to talk about defining key metrics. So you've you've now found your team, you've set up your team to, for success, you've got your clear goals and requirements set up. Now it's a, a matter of actually measuring how you're going to achieve those goals. So staying on top of that and, and ensuring that you measure your progress going forward. Uh, and you'll be surprised that a lot of teams that don't do this and then don't get an understanding of where they're at six months, eight months into the project. Um, it's absolutely imperative that you collect 
uh, key metrics on your goals and requirements. And any good sales enablement platform will have analytics provided for you. So you should have reporting and analytics um, that you can collect. Uh, and so as we define, jump into this and talk a little bit about uh, defining key metrics, this really comes down to just pairing them with the clear goals and requirements you've set up so that we can get an understanding on, of whether or not we're moving in the right direction. So just it comes down to choosing clear KPIs that help measure those goals and objectives. Um, and so when we talk about measuring these goals and objectives, some examples of metrics would be maybe around utilization. So the, the first thing you're going to want to see is, our is maybe our team actually using the solution in the platform, right? So uh, you could start measuring uh, KPIs, number of sales logins, right? How many people on the sales team are logging in and how frequently. Um, another thing you could do with uh, measurements on KPIs is maybe the number of presentations that are created each week. So you can get an understanding of how often your sales team is actually putting together content uh, to get ready for a meeting. Uh, another thing is maybe number of content by shares. So this helps give you a better understanding of how often your team is sharing content out with customers. Uh, and if we go even deeper on that, uh, you can then get analytics into the content um, effectiveness and how it's built up and worked for an opportunity. So has your sales team engaged with an opportunity and shared 20 pieces of content or five pieces of content? Um, and further down the road, you'll be able to see the success of opportunities and, and how much content it took to really get that over the finish line. And, and that's where you really want to end up when, when you set these KPIs is, is having data that helps you make better decisions, right? Not only on achieving your goals, but insights on things that can help you make better decisions to, to increase your revenue or, or the efficiency of your team. Um, so that's really important is that you just define basic but important metrics, right? And, and you don't need 20 or 30 uh, KPIs. We recommend just keeping it very, very simple. Uh, for example, a lot of the dashboards that we keep within our click system for a lot of our customers and partners uh, are around the content effectiveness and the user utilization. So we typically see um, dashboards and KPIs around content, right? How often is content being used? Something I always say and reckon, Dave, this probably, uh, you guys hear me say this day in, day out, but I mean, you can make the best piece of content in the world, but if nobody uses it, then what good is it, right? And so I, I think that's so important because the marketing team can spend so much time building this great content and it can be very effective, but if it never sees the daylight, then it never has the chance to be effective, right? Um, and so getting back to that point, uh, metrics around content effectiveness and, and utilization. Is it actually being used? Is it being shared out? Um, all the way to dashboards, we see dashboards um, and metrics around how many users are logging in, how frequently, what devices are they logging in from? Um, and so I think, uh, Rebecca, maybe you have a couple more metrics that, that we've collected or you've seen on the customer success side, but um, I think that's that, that pretty accurate on the dashboards. Yeah, for sure. And I think the biggest thing too is in terms of the content effectiveness is making sure that that information is available to the end users as well. So you're from a marketing perspective, you're getting insights into what your sales users are doing with the content. And then from a sales user perspective, you're getting information about what your customers and prospects are doing with that content once it's actually left the application in email. And that's that vital piece of metrics because that's really gonna help you guide and tailor your follow-ups after that based upon what they've done with what you've sent out to them. It's a very good point. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that because I think a lot of people, when they look at sales enablement, they they obviously have an understanding that you can collect analytics on your own content, mm -hmm. but a good sales enablement platform will also help you understand the engagement from your customers or your prospects. So uh, that's something that with Click that we do is is we help the sales team get an understanding of who's actually engaging with your content. So when you share out a brochure or a presentation, you'll actually be able to see how often it was opened and how many times uh, and for how long. And so that insight is valuable for the sales team. So I think that, yeah, when we talk about metrics, I think that it's valuable all around the board, right? Valuable for sales who's um, interacting and engaging with prospects on a daily basis. But then metrics are just as important for your marketing team who's fueling your sales team with that content, right? So extremely important. Yeah. For instance, yeah. you'll see pieces of content. For instance, a video might be opened by a sales rep once because they just had to watch it to know what it was. And then it's been opened in shares 50 times. So you really see the value as it moves through that content lifecycle as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, in my opinion, I think that the data piece of a good sales enablement platform is, is really the most important. And, and I'd say that too. I'm an, I'm a data nerd. I, I love looking at data and looking at 
insights from that data, but you you can really begin to to see stories emerge when you're looking at that once you're doing it at scale. You know, and from a marketing perspective, in your, when you're looking at that at a macro level, I mean, what a great way to understand KPIs. I mean, or excuse me, your return on investment ROI on your marketing content and how that's being used. I mean, I can tell you having, you know, I've, I've run marketing for several companies now. One of the biggest challenges is always thinking, okay, we're investing all this time and effort and, and dollars into creating content. What return do we get on that from the sales side? It's very easy to track the inbound or the early stage side, but not so much from where it performs in, in the sales cycle. So that's interesting. One quick question we had come in around so kpis are related to change management and this is it's a great question because i hear this personally a lot as well change management is such a big part of implementing a sales enablement solution so how can kpis and and metrics help you keep that on track thoughts yeah that's a that's a great question so i think that with change management and we've seen this uh, happen multiple times where somebody uh, has to leave for for whatever the reason is right going to a new company maybe on on mat leave or or maybe whatever it might be there there's a reason why somebody would step out of the position and we've seen it happen so when it comes down to change management and how you ensure you're successful and that project is scalable and repeatable is is really having these metrics set up clearly right so if you have metrics that are defined it holds the project accountable and it holds the people responsible for everything that's been done and for the next person who comes in and has to to fill the shoes of that role they now have full insight into everything that's going on and like you said dave, dave is being a data nerd there that's that's what you need right you have an understanding of the project what's happened how far we've gone where we've improved where we're lacking uh, and that type of insight really gets the person started on 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 the right foot right so if, if somebody has to fill in the shoes and they don't have an understanding of what's taken place or where we're at or what the metrics are right now it's much more difficult for them to take that next step forward and, and succeed with the project because they are pretty much starting from ground zero and don't have knowledge of what's happened so far um so metrics are absolutely vital um just for measuring where you've been from the start right it can be anything from content effectiveness to to utilization right so very important that that you define those metrics and you keep them in a centralized spot where someone else can step in and, and take them over and, and and look at them yeah and and just from the change management perspective of of implementing something different and getting people to adopt it i think the reason it's important to have those kpis defined clearly up front is to facilitate that good communication and so going back to our earlier point about who should you put in that role or who needs to be champions having somebody that can have a seat at the executive table bridge the gap between sales and marketing and understand how to look at what goals were defined relative to the performance based on those kpis is very important because that allows you to have data driven conversations not emotional conversations or perceptions. And so I think that it's it's extremely important to make sure that that's clear and that everyone who's involved in the project is going to be uh, looking at those from an accountability standpoint. So yeah, well, that's all the questions we had there, Paul. So we can- Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think there's a, yeah, we want to talk about the CRM. I think that this is so important and we've seen uh, over the past year and a half, especially with COVID coming into place, um, we've seen multiple teams reset their, their CRM project or implement a new CRM. And this is something that's that's so important when it comes to um, your sales enablement project. Having a CRM and having a well-utilized CRM uh, can really influence and help um, the, the succession of your of your project and help it succeed. And so, what we mean by that is in the ability to connect your CRM with your sales enablement platform, you're really able to get a better understanding of um, opportunity metrics and deal influence. And so, as as I was mentioning a couple points before. By actually connecting the data, your CRM to Click or, or a sales enablement platform, you one get time savings because your team can now work directly within their CRM. They can do everything that they're doing in their sales enablement platform natively inside of Salesforce or SAP or wherever you're using it. Um, the second thing is the data, right? So now when your team is sharing out content or um, uh, engaging with opportunities, you're collecting data on that content effectiveness and how it's working with those opportunities. So for leaders and, and um, leaders on the business side, they now have insight into how content is working for opportunities. 
um, and how the opportunities are being engaged. And so as we were discussing before, you can really at the end, take a look um, and see how much content has been used at a specific opportunity and how effective that has been. Right. And so we think that the CRM is just extremely important to set up. Um, it just kind of creates a holistic um, organization of, of the project, right? So, I mean, your team can really get a, get a good understanding of how to use it uh, from, from both the click side or the CRM side. doesn't matter. They'll have access from, from wherever they are. Um, so I think that that's just something that's very important that, that the CRM needs to be set up properly. Um, and, Rebecca and Dave, I don't know if you guys have any points about that on, on the reporting side of things, but the more we see teams connect their CRM, the more they're able to get insight into how that, that content has really influenced opportunities or deals. I think the recommendation of content is probably another thing we, we should talk about. Well, and, and to you know, a modern sales team, I mean, you're living and breathing in CRM, right? I mean, CRM and Microsoft Outlook are probably the two places your sales team are spending the most time. So having systems implemented and integrated with those is critical uh, to me, you know, the, the biggest, most vital piece of if you really want to take your sales enablement to the next level is having that connectivity um, and salesforce.com is a leader, right? So, I mean, having an integration with, if you're using Salesforce, having something that will integrate natively is important. And then again, you know, Microsoft Outlook, that's another big piece of the puzzle. And it's, Yes, it is about suggestive content. Yes, it is about data. Yes, it's about all those things. But for your sales team, it's about one throat to choke, right? One place to go. And you're not having to go to 15 different systems to get your job done. It's easily integrated in your in your daily workflow. So th that's at least my perspective on CRM and why it's so important. And most teams will have an integration with uh, CRM set up natively. So you should be able to connect everything off the start and, and begin using it from your CRM. Um, but that's the most important thing, right? We had a, a use case recently where uh, a team wanted to only use their CRM um, when engaging with Click. So the integration with um, their, their CRM really allows them to work on opportunities, file, log everything in, in Salesforce and not have to worry about opening up any other windows, right? Right. Um, so, so extremely important that, that you have the ability to work out of your CRM as well. The other thing that the last point here I'll make is recommended content. So when you do connect your CRM, especially with Click, we have a feature where you can recommend content for certain opportunities. So what we'll actually do is take into take that opportunity into consideration, maybe what industry it's in, um, and and a couple of other criteria, and we'll actually recommend the most used or the best content for that specific opportunity. And this is uh, we get this a lot on following uh, the process and really understanding how we can provide our team with a better process. Um, that's a great way of doing it too, recommending content uh, at opportunities. Um, I think that's about it for defining key metrics, right? So just uh, setting clear objectives and goals that align with, um, setting clear uh, metrics that align with your uh, objectives and goals. Um, and then the connection to CRM is a very, very important part that we see teams doing these days. Um, any questions? I think we already we already had some come through. So yeah, no, no questions as of right now, Paul. Okay, great. So I'll let Rebecca jump into four and five here and talk a little bit more uh, about content creation and organization. Perfect. Yeah. So content creation and organization is going to be uh, step four in the process. Um, it's a very important one um, because this is going to be the foundation for the success of your sales enablement tool. So everything that you do will be very dependent on how well your content is organized and how well it's created inside of that system. Um, so to start the process, the first thing you're gonna to wanna to do is to gather your content together. Um, different sales enablement tools will have different options for how you can sort or arrange your content. Um, from us, we find the best practice is to always organize your content in the most efficient way, which is grouping it around its kind of base form. So for instance, this would be something like brochures or videos or spec sheets. This is gonna be something that everybody is really easy, easily able to identify. So you don't have to be a um, expert at your company to know that a video is a video. Um, this will also help, especially if you have distributors or third parties using your application as well for sales enablement, because they'll be able to clearly tell what's a brochure and what's a video. So you're not grouping them in categories based around certain products or anything like that, because that can get very messy and you can have drop downs inside of drop downs. By keeping all of your content in sort of a flat structure with these categories, it really helps you understand what you have as well. Because for instance, you could say, I'm starting product X, 
I need marketing materials. I need a brochure. I need a graphic, a spec sheet, a video. And therefore you can see, do I have this information for this product that will help it sell better? And as you start to use your tool and going back to what we talked about with the metrics, you'll find out which of these marketing content types is the most valuable. So perhaps you'll determine that you do need these four pieces of content for every single product, but perhaps there's four or five that aren't really necessary. Like for instance, you might not need a white paper about every single product that might not be super valuable because the usage just isn't there to support that mar continued marketing uh, spend on that sort of resources. Um, but yeah, so making them all universally recognizable for all of your users is really great. And so then going into that, you also want to aggregate and identify the sales and marketing content that you want your teams to use. So based upon what we talked about with the metrics, finding out what they're actually using in the day-to-day -day will help you guide your continued uh, content lifecycle. So you can decide which pieces of content are valuable and worth the time and investment, which ones aren't. And as we talked about with the customers we had where they were actually seeing zero search results, you want to make your content available for those people to see it when they're looking for it. So if you know you have something that's of value to them, you wanna push it out to them. So some different sales and tools will have things like notifications where you can notify users about new content that's being added to an application or anything like that. Um, you can have news feeds or dashboards that tell people about new content that's being in there. So really making sure that what they want to use and what you want them to use is at the very forefront. Um, in terms of this, we also want to strive to have a complete content library. So one of the biggest benefits of any sales enablement tool is making it like a one-stop shop. You don't want to have them go to Dropbox and then go to Google Drive and then go wherever else to find all of that content. Putting everything and having it all organized in one central system is going to be the biggest benefit you can have. Nobody wants to go searching 10 different spots. If everything's just where it should be in this one system, that's the real winner right there. So making sure that it's organized from the get-go is very important. So in terms of understanding how your content is going to be structured and how it's going to be organized, um, one of the ways that we see is the best practice of doing this is to align it with your customer's uh, buyer's journey. So um, the best sales and management tools will have different tools you can use, such as filters or tags. And for filters, they would be additional sets that you can put on top of the entire library to really narrow it down to a specific um, instance that you're looking for. So for instance, if you're aligning it to your buyer's journey, you could suggest uh, different pieces of content that are gonna be really valuable during the awareness stage uh, versus consideration or the decision stage. So for instance, if they're just getting started, they might want a light overview video but then once you get down to the actual decision, they're going to want those spec sheets. They're going to need to know A, B, and C about this product, um, exactly how much it's going to cost them, additional support packages, anything like that. So really laying it all out there for your sales reps and your end users of saying, hey, if you're going here and you're talking to them about this, and this goes into what Paul is talking about too with the CRM connection, where you can have different stages laid out in your CRM opportunity and saying, if you're at the beginning stages, this is the content we think you should be using. And then at the end stage, here's the best content that we've seen success with before for closers and really laying it all out there for them. So it takes the guesswork out of it and it really delivers it to them on a golden platter so they know exactly what they should be using and how it all works. And in regards to the tags as well, we will often recommend that you tag stuff based upon the industry that it should be recommended for the language of the file, um, sales enablement tools, the best ones will always be multi-language. Uh, the sales stage, as we mentioned, as well as the product. And then a really key one is going to be the function or the application of the product that you're actually representing. So is this going to be used by people in a, um, in a factory or is it going to be used by people at the end stage of a sales cycle? Determining what that is and putting those tags on the content it's going to be the most helpful thing, especially as people are spread around the globe. You can really narrow it down and give it to them exactly how they should be having it presented. Um, and then additionally, going into that, the tags and the filters will always help with the searching because that's what the sales rep is going to do. They may not want to click four different filters. They are just going to go straight to that search bar and they're going to type in what they want to see. If they don't see anything, then that's when you as a sales enablement manager go back in and reapply those filters and tags. So what you want to show them is actually appearing for them there. Yeah. And a quick question we had come in on that as well, Becca, um, from the standpoint of 
loading content and getting everything categorized. The question was, how long does the process usually take mm-hmm. to load that content and to categorize? And this is a great one. We hear this all the time, but how would you respond to that? And then what tips and advice would you give others? Yeah, of course. I would say that it always depends on the exact number of files that you have. Uh, it's definitely a scaling slide. So if you're starting off with five pieces of content, but you need to set up all your categories and filters, that's going to be the majority of the upfront work. Then after that, just adding new content and tagging it to the existing sets of filters and tags that you have in place, it's going to be a lot easier. So we could say it would take five hours to do 100 pieces of content and then just scale up from there as you keep growing your library. Um, But the key thing to remember is that the content library is never finished. Marketing's work's never done in terms of creating new content. Your job's never done in terms of analyzing how that content is working. So you want to make sure that it's, it's not all in the upfront cost of time and effort. It's a continuous project that will move and adapt as you get used to what you're doing and as you learn what's working and what's not working. Yeah, great, great insight. And uh, that was the only question we had at the end of this segment. I think another one that I hear quite a bit, which might just be very valuable to mention is, I mean, what content should I start with in my sales enablement solution, right? Where do I start? Yeah. So as I was talking about in terms of having like a complete library, the best starting point is to do everything around, say, for instance, a certain industry or a certain product. So you want to make sure every piece of content for that one product is in the application and just roll it out in stages like that. So it'd be like product X, everything's done. Everything's in the sales enablement tool. Then you move on to product Y, put everything in there. Because what you don't want to have happen is you don't want people to be looking for stuff and then it's missing. Unless it actually is missing and marketing hasn't made it, then that's when you use those feedback cycles to actually respond. But if it's if it's available somewhere, it should all be pushed into it in one big stage, as I would say. Yeah, that's that's a great point. <laughs> yeah, we see that quite often. Yeah, for sure. Good. Cool. And then we get to the hard part, which is actually implementing your sales enablement tool. Um, so this is going to be the last step in our five step process. Um, so there's always a variety of sales enablement tools out there. Um, they all have their own unique features and enhancements that some are tailored to certain industries, some are more general usage. The best thing that you're going to want to do is find the sales enablement tool that really fits your needs. So if you've gone through the whole process already in steps one and two, you should be determining what those needs are. And therefore, you should basically have like a checklist of everything that you're looking for from a system. And then you just go out and find the one that hits the most boxes for you or the ones that are willing to work with you to adapt to those needs that you have. So you know what you need um, at this stage in the process. So you should be able to pick the best one for yourselves. Um, You're going to want to ensure that whoever you choose understands what your goals are. Hopefully, um, by the stage that you get to some sort of proposal, they're working with you on those goals to help you figure out what they should be um, and then really supporting them throughout. So I would say the biggest thing is, is you need a sales enablement tool where they know that it's a long-term process. It's an ongoing maintenance of the system. It's not Um, push to play or push to start, anything like that. It's a continuous project that will last for years. Um, You're never finished with your sales enablement tool. It's something that's always growing and adapting. So making sure that your partner understands that and is there to help and support you as you go through that process, I think is so important Um, because you you know what you need to get done and they should be there to help you with every step of that process. Um, And then getting the support of the end users they're always going to be your greatest asset. They're the ones that are really driving the usage of the application. And they're the people that are using it on a day-to-day basis. Marketing might check in every other day or something like that, but your sales users are there from start to finish at the end of their days. So you want to make sure that they have everything that they need um, and that they're really involved in the process. So getting feedback directly from them, um, there should be somewhere within the application for them to actually submit that feedback to marketing or the sales enablement managers Um, And you want to make sure that all of their thoughts and ideas are heard throughout the whole process and as it continues to grow. So, for instance, if there's something that's missing from the tool, um, the best companies will work with you to help fill those gaps and needs Um, because it's meant to help you. It's not meant to hinder you in that process. It's meant to keep growing with you. Um, You want someone that's always doing work and someone that's updating and improving as the times change. So, like Dave mentioned with COVID, um, 
everything kind of changed how we were selling in person, everything like that changed. So with it being all presenting online and everything like that, um, the best sales and win tools will have different features that will really help with that sort of piece of the puzzle um, as we change, because who knows what's going to happen next in our crazy world. Yeah. Um, and then as well, creating that training strategy. So um, the sales and win champion or the manager should always be in charge of this and you should get direct support from your uh, tool in terms of helping with that training. Um, the sales and implement manager champion is probably new to the system. They probably only started the buying process a couple of months ago. So they don't know the product as well as the actual uh, people that work at the company do. So by helping with that training, you can really figure it out because they are often simple from an end user perspective, but there's often a lot of different features and tools. And in terms of like the integrations, like we talked about with Outlook and Salesforce or your CRM or anything like that getting training on how to best use those integrations and really get the most out of them, that's going to be vital because you can always just use the basic versions. And I'm sure we've all done this. We've opened up a project and we've just used the very basic tools in front of you. Some details do, you can do an Excel formula like this and it just blows your mind. That's because you never had to sit down with somebody from Microsoft to tell you how to do that. So you're going to want to make sure that training strategy is in place for any new users. And with sales and tools, you're probably going to be adding new users as you move through the project. Um, so you want to make sure that it's just a continuous execution on that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say after that happens, so this would be all of the implementation from a getting started standpoint, but going forward, um, what you're going to want to do as well, as we mentioned with the blueprint, is you're going to make sure you have check-in meetings with your sales enablement person to make sure that you're achieving to that blueprint. It's not, you don't want to just make that blueprint and then forget about it. You want to make sure that you're always striving to hit those goals and KPIs. And that's something where just having weekly check-ins or bi-weekly, anything like that, will just really help you make sure that you're on the right track. Yeah, I think that's important. The communication and those meetings are, are imperative to, to pushing the project forward in the right way. So you get input from all teams who are a part of that project. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Becca. One of the things I, I really think on that list is extremely important is the getting support of the end users, you know, and, and even as it mentions there, pushing top down is, is very rarely a recipe for success. And um, Becca, you may even be able to speak to this better than I can because you work with this customer on a day-to-day -day basis, but I know we have one client that actually has uh, put together a rep council. And that was actually one of the foundational elements of their strategy was the sales enablement leader wanted to have a group of end-user salespeople who could be her champions, her counsel. There was a two-way feedback loop set up. And I think that was very important to their success. And uh, you may know more about that or want to shine some uh, additional light on it, but I just felt like that was a really good best practice. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is in terms of getting their input on it. Um, as a manager, you might not actually be using the tool to send out content to people on a regular basis. You might just be setting it up and putting the content into there. So by getting their feedback of the people that are actually using it day in and day out is so vital and making sure that they know by making them a stakeholder and somebody that has an investment in the tool too, it really helps to drive that utilization and to really get the value out of the entire process, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know as we're getting close to time here, I want to leave at least five minutes here for, for Q&A. Um, but Becca, if just in concluding, if there was one big important thing that you could leave people with to think about in terms of implementing, I mean, what would you say is the most important thing to keep in mind as you begin that process? Yeah, I would say that it is a sizable amount of work to set up your uh, sales and implement tool. We're not going to lie about that fact, but it is so worth the benefit as you continue to work through the process. Um, you'll really see that in the feedback that you get from those end users once the process has been completed or not completed, it's never completed, sorry, but as it's moved through the steps, um, you'll see that the continuous maintenance um, to build that library and to maintain it and to make sure that it's really achieving what it should be is just so valuable because you'll see the benefits. Um, and if you aren't, there's always room for changing and for improving. So you, you can do it yourself. It's not it's not difficult. It's just an investment of time and energy. That's it. Great. Great thought. Well, as we get ready to wrap up here, I'm going to hit just a really quick review. So we talked about the five big steps, building team, setting goals and requirements, how to define your KPIs, 
how to handle content organization and creation, and then finally the implementation. So we're going to send out a copy of the PowerPoint in that email as well. So you'll have a variety of content. You'll have the blueprint. Uh, you'll have the user requirement spec. You'll also have this PowerPoint to reference as well as the on-demand link. If anyone has any questions after the fact, you know, again, please reach out. All three of us, I think, are active on LinkedIn as well. So if you want to reach us there or email, either way is fine. And one thing I included here just at the, the end as well is just some pitfalls to think about. And to, to, again, to try to keep people out of the weeds when you're getting sales enablement up and off the ground. These are some common things that we see that typically can get projects either off the rails or at least be road bumps. Uh, number one is lack of executive buy-in. So if this project doesn't have support from senior leadership, that's going to be a pretty hard uphill, uphill battle. So I would say if you are a sales enablement leader and pushing this inside of your organization, make sure you've got buy-in at the top. Um, the second one is the easy route, which is saying, not doing. So, hey, we're going to come up with a plan and we're going to say we're going to execute it, but we're not going to follow the KPIs. We're not going to hold ourselves accountable. We're not going to create those interdepartment relationships. It's just easy to fall into that, that hole. So be careful for that. Uh, the third is throwing software at a problem. <laughs> you know, as much as we recommend, you know, we think any company should be using sales enablement, but it's always important first to make sure you've got everything tight inside of the ship, right? Before you start throwing software at that. So I always say, you know, before you just go buy a tool, make sure you have a defined process, go through the blueprint, think about your goals and, and start from there. Otherwise you may be spending money on software that is just going to uh, expand your problem versus solve it. Um, before, again, failing to establish accountability, that kind of ties right back in with number two, just make sure you're holding accountable to the metrics. And then five, not putting in place a champion. I think that is one of the most important things that a, an organization can do. Doesn't have to be somebody's full-time role, but at least someone who can be a point person and help lead the charge. And finally, one thing we talk about all the time when you're thinking about sales enablement, that is typically a pretty big project to start inside of your organization. You are not going to solve it in a week, a month. It may take you six months to really scale your strategy, but it absolutely pays off. This is one of my favorite Chinese proverbs. And the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. But the second best time is right now. <laughs> so when you're thinking about getting started with sales enablement, uh, it's easy to get hung up on, hey, this is going to take time or this is going to be complicated, but there is no time like the present. And it's it's something that you can take one step at a time. Um, so with that, uh, I'm going to check real quick. If anyone has any final questions, if you want to either hit raise hand or throw something in the Q&A, we'll have a little break right here. Paul, Rebecca, did either of you have some closing thoughts or, or any questions you wanted to, to propose to the other? Nothing we haven't mentioned already. Becca, I think, already mentioned it and took the words out of my mouth. It's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, um, and and it's it's worth it. It's entirely worth it. We have seen tremendous success with the teams who have implemented it, um, and and if you were able to chug along and, and check the boxes off, it is you will be able to reap the benefits and the rewards of it. Yeah, completely agree. Well, we are right at the end of the hour. Uh, I don't have any other questions in the Q&A. So with that, uh, we want to thank everybody again for joining and, and hanging out with us for the past hour. Um, please get in touch with us if you have any additional questions. And we hope to see you back for one of our other events. So keep an eye out. Uh, we're going to have another webinar in two weeks, uh, specifically around industrial manufacturing and how sales and marketing has fundamentally changed since COVID. Uh, that's going to be a great conversation. We have an, an, uh, Joe Mills, uh, who is a senior executive at Element 3, which is a very large marketing organization in the industrial segment, is going to join us for a uh, fireside chat around how industrial has changed. So if you're interested in that, please keep an eye out and we'll have many more webinars to follow. So thanks again for joining and we hope everybody has a great day. Thanks, thanks everybody. Guys. Take care.